For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz with you on the Believe Podcast Networks. And while the country, the world, is overwhelmed with an overdose of football fever, after the sensational weekend that took place uh, in the divisional playoff games and in anticipation of the conference titles being decided and the two opponents uh, being depicted as to uh, who's going to go and, and compete in the Super Bowl. And I don't think we've seen proportions of this wave of enthusiasm for uh, football like we did uh, over the past weekend. But nonetheless, baseball is in the spotlight yes. with a couple of big stories, of course, uh, not the least of which was Big Poppy. David Ortiz uh, being uh, the lone uh, inductee uh, going in. Now, there are Veterans Committee inductees going in, so he's not going up there by himself to Cooperstown. But uh, of those uh, that were voted on in the balloting that was tabulated and released uh, yesterday, only David Ortiz uh, qualified. And uh, there are a lot of suspicions uh, about his, well, I guess he did, uh, Louis, fail a uh, steroid, uh, a performance-enhancing drug test of some sort. But, of course, in baseball, it was uh, like that pop quiz he used to take where the teacher said, only fallen, because it really didn't matter that he failed the test. It, it didn't count. It didn't. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, controversial uh, things uh, swirling around about Ortiz and whether or not if he could get in and uh, how his uh, bonds out and Clemens and other uh, suspected juicers, and we're not talking apple or orange. Uh, we welcome uh, to the show, and there's also the lockout uh, going on and many other yeah, things happen happening <laughs> in, in a non-existent major league baseball world. And our, our go-to guy on anything uh, when it comes to baseball topics, and this guy is a man of great distinction as well, Craig Mish joins us here on the show, Major League Baseball Network, Miami Herald here in town, Swings and Mishes has his own podcast, and, of course, Sports Grid. Uh, radio 12 to 2 every day you're uh, talking baseball does a great job craig how are you my friend i'm doing well guys it's been a while happy new year glad to see that things are going well for you guys and you know certainly um kind of a downtime for doing some of the things that i do in baseball so it is a good thing as you mentioned that we had that that wild weekend of football no question i was very uh very in tune on, on what was going on there especially the sunday night game i mean that was you know really epic Oh, no, it was an absolute classic and a lot of fun. Well, we did come up with the solution, by the way, to the overtime uh, fiasco and all of the controversy, and that was just to continue the game where it was when it was finished uh, and when the time ran out and, and literally go to overtime. And uh, you would uh, then uh, have whatever the setup is. I mean, uh, if a team had the ball uh, third and 15 at their own 26, Overtime began with them having the ball third and 15 at their own 26. If Buffalo was supposed to receive a kickoff uh, at the beginning of overtime uh, because uh, Kansas City had just scored, then you kick the ball off to Buffalo. First team to score becomes sudden death. And and you uh, erase all of the controversies about the coin flip. And then starting a whole new game after 60 minutes of this bloodbath, 
starting a whole new game under completely different circumstances and conditions based on a coin toss. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you uh, think? What do you think? You like that one? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, um, I, I'm a, I'm a little. I mean, it seems easier to figure out where you can watch my TV show or listen to you guys now these days than that. Uh, than Absolutely. that. But, but regardless, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, it, it sounds reasonable, but you know, to me, I don't care. I mean, li- listen, they, they don't need to change the overtime rule until it gets to the playoffs, and then in the playoffs, then they can do something along those lines. But for me, uh, no issue with the way that things are happening. You know, the Chiefs couldn't stop the Bills. The Bills couldn't stop the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, Keenan Allen sent out a tweet in the end. The team that wins the Super Bowl this year, and in general, the team that wins the Super Bowl every year is going to win by playing good defense in the fourth quarter. I know it's old school, and I know it's it's not what everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to see points. I want to see points, too. Uh, Someone's going to make a stop, and that's how the game's going to end, and that's the way that it should be in the NFL. All right, what is your general feeling about the inconsistent criteria there seems to be among Hall of Fame voters in Major League Baseball with regard to those that uh, were either suspected of using steroids or, and, and I, I don't know what, Big Poppy uh, being the one guy, I guess that there was some tangible evidence with a failed drug test uh, that he was using performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, what right. is your feeling, Craig Mish, uh, about juicers and the Hall of Fame in general? Yeah, so, you know, Ortiz was asked about that yesterday and after, you know, he went on a Zoom call with all of the baseball writers and, and he said that um, he, he seemingly didn't, I, at least from my opinion, he seemingly didn't deny anything based on 2000 and th- that uh, 2003 test that didn't count, uh, but said that, look at my body of work from 2003 all the way to the point I ended and I was, I was, I was tested all the time, never failed a, a drug test. Um, you know, sort of indicating that that 2003 test may have had something in it that really didn't make a difference. And look, 50-50 shot on that. Certainly possible. Certainly, you know, not possible. So we don't know. Um, it's a popularity contest, people. It's like anything else. It's like it's like the Hall of Fame in football. You know, it's, you know, somebody, you know, gave, you know, a writer gave, you know, Barry Bonds gave him a high five. Another writer gave, you know, Barry Bonds, you know, stiffed him. And, and the guy that gave him the high five voting for him and the guy that stiffed him isn't. Um, you, would, you would hope that there'd be more clarity on that. You would hope there'd be more objectivity than that, but there's not. I mean, we're humans, and they're humans. And David Ortiz is extremely well-liked. He was always good to the media. He was always very fan-friendly. He's larger-than-life personality. And that's why he gets in, and the other two guys are, are not. Um, you know, as far as I mean, we can get into, you know, my opinion on it and the way that I would vote, certainly, um, I don't have a vote with the baseball uh, writers, but uh, my opinion is, I, I you know some people can't separate basically all of these guys. I can. Uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds were Hall of Famers prior to all of this happening, so I have them in the Hall of Fame. And to me, uh, you know, Defoe, you've been hustling for jobs your entire life. I have been yeah. hustling my entire life for jobs. Yep. So I know it sounds crazy. But uh, I respect the hustle of these guys that didn't get caught. And, and so, you know, fine, no problem. But Rappy Palmero, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, dude, you got caught. You got caught when the rules stated you couldn't. Manny Ramirez got caught several times when the rules stated you couldn't. Sammy Sosa, people don't even talk about this, Defoe. 
This dude was corking his bat and got caught. Like that's never that, that I love. Yeah, <laughs> that's overlooked completely. I mean, uh, and all of a sudden he like picked it up from the Bat Boy who was using it in Little League and was leading the Little League with seventy-two home runs, even though they'd only played like eighteen games. Yeah. So uh, if you got caught, I definitely put you in a different vibe for me. That's and and that's maybe a horrible take, and that's fine. But I don't just put all of these players in the Hall of Fame. I basically separated of guys that got caught. The, the hardest one that's going to be for me to do is is probably Alex Rodriguez 10 years from now because what is the landscape going to look like with so many of these other guys in the Hall of Fame? Like, you know, at that point, you would assume Bonds and Clemens would get in through the, um, you know, this, this new committee that they have, the uh, you know Golden Days Committees or what they used to call it, the Veterans Committee. And so that'll be a tough one because his numbers are off the charts and he got caught and he was suspended for a year. Um, the, the next one, sorry for talking so long, but the, but the next one uh, that's the real litmus test of all of them, CFO, is Nelson Cruz. Mm. Like that is going to be a big one when he retires in five years because he is extremely well-liked, extremely well-respected, has the Hall of Fame numbers, but was point-blank caught and suspended and I think he's going to get in. So once that happens, I think that that will change the dynamics for everyone. And that's not something that's getting talked about a lot. But circle that name because he's a Hall of Famer. We're talking with Craig Mish, MLB Network contributor, Miami Herald writer, also hosts uh, podcast Swings and Mishes. There's a show 12 to 2 on Sports Grid. Follow him up great on Twitter, at Craig Mish. Here on After Hours with DFO and Libby on the Believe podcast. Network, look, you actually brought up to me that what it should be if you're going to delineate if there was a rule and they broke it like Pete Rose which I still think is ridiculous fine I can't even hate on that because you know what they broke a rule you break the rules you're not supposed to get in the Hall of Fame right Sean Merriman is not even discussed for NFL they don't give a crap about steroids so fine the problem is Barry Bonds didn't break a rule Roger Clemens didn't break a rule even David Ortiz didn't break a rule Jeff Bagel so that's what's funny to me is how they delineate it. I want to ask you, because you're on the younger side of the guys that would vote, and we've heard for years, well, the older guys can't let it go, but the younger guys are. Is that true? Because I feel like most of the voters now should be younger, yet Bonds and Clemens still didn't get in. Is there a difference between the older baseball voter and the younger baseball voter? I mean, I, mean, I, I guess there is. I mean, I'm pushing 50 at this point, That's but... But, but I, I mean, I, I guess there is. I really can't. It's, it's hard, Louie, because I can't speak for them. Okay. You know, that's that's not something that I can say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but, you know, you have, uh, you know, I'll give you a good example of a guy that, that I respect with his vote, like Joel Sherman. OK, he's covered baseball forever. And, um, you know, he's been a writer. He's been on TV and, and he votes for Bonds and Clemens and he does not vote for the other guys because they got caught. So he and I see it the same way. Um, I, I think that the voting issue isn't really, honestly, isn't the whole steroid thing. I, I think it's, and again, no disrespect to, to people who have votes, but there is just no way possible that someone that has not covered a single Major League Baseball game for five or ten years should continue to have a vote for the Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. It That's makes right. no sense whatsoever. And so these dudes who are putting out these blank ballots and then you're looking at the background and they and they're like you know they're they're covering the weather somewhere in Oklahoma now like for some paper it's just insane to me like like that's where I'm a little bit offended like why wouldn't they call me at that point and say hey would you like to have that person's vote because I definitely feel like I'm more qualified than them so 
I don't think it's a matter of old and young. I think okay. it's just some people don't deserve to have votes. I don't know how many of them are out there. Is it 50? Is it 100? Is it 200? I'm not sure. Wow. But I think the Hall of Fame needs to take votes away from people that have not, not that haven't covered the game in a couple of years. I'm fine with that. But you're telling me that somebody that hasn't covered Major League Baseball in 10 years deserves to still vote for guys that are that are you know, like David Ortiz that they never even saw play in person cover? I mean, that seems crazy to me. It's kind of like when the NBA uh, has a, a deal and it involves two guys that are deceased because uh, they still have money left on their contract at about $30 million per, uh, you know, to have these guys uh, voting that, uh, as you said, may, may as well have, uh, you know, one foot in the baseball grave, uh, having not attended a game in, in a long, long time. A very uh, good thought there. All right. Uh, I'm one of those guys, uh, you know, I'm always hoping that these uh, labor impasses will just end on time for me to be able to enjoy the season of my favorite teams or sports. And it, it seemed like, uh, you know, the issues were not as militant in terms of uh, the way the sides are divided in Major League Baseball. There, there was some, you know, and I don't know what to make of this, uh, you know, that the uh, call was for optimism after uh, yesterday's uh, negotiations took place. So uh, uh, where do you think this stands? Uh, will the season and, and spring training get uh, underway on time, in your opinion, Craig Mish, uh, with the issues that still remain to be resolved? I, 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 I'm optimistic that it will. I can't say that anything that I've seen in the last, uh, you know, two or three days, like all of a sudden leads me to believe that this is going to get done tomorrow, uh, you know, or next week. But I, I, I do think that some agreement will, will come to pass next month. I do. Uh, you know, I, I think that as, as you guys have been to like the first day of pitchers and catchers and, and you guys have broadcasted yep. from there. Uh, you see what the vibe is the first two weeks of spring training. Let's be honest. Nobody yeah. wants to be there. Yeah. Nobody wants to be there for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're running around and, you know, you're running and catching, you know, the pitchers are catching the ground ball with PFPs. They go to first base. I mean, how many times can that get done? Uh, spring training is, is great for people like me. It's great for people like my son. It is a fantastic fan experience like no other. Yep. But I just don't think the spring training experience needs to be two months. It could be 30 days. And I think that until the players and, and even the owners start losing money in this, there's really no incentive to have them report on the 15th. So, Diesel, let's, let's think it through here. So if they report the 21st or 27th or March 1st and play their spring schedule, yeah. are we really hurting anyone? I, I don't think so. And even the season doesn't need to be 162 games. If it was 154, would anybody care? Uh, no. So why, why am I saying all this? I, I think that the spring training schedule – has a chance to be played mostly in full. I think that reporting on, on the 15th, 16th is in jeopardy, no question, because there's no incentive. The players could care less if they're there. They're not getting paid anyway. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make a difference to them. Um, and, and so I, I think that I, my real worry would be when the spring training games get banged out, because at that point, the owners are losing money. Um, they risk relationships in the cities in Florida and Arizona, these same cities that have helped them build stadiums and upgrade stadiums based on fan attraction, that they risk those relationships, the owners do, and the players risk money. So at that point, talk to me in March when there's no spring games, and I'll be really concerned about losing regular season games. But I would not panic until the middle of February. That's when I would start to panic. Craig Mish, Major League Baseball Network, Miami Herald, Swings and Mishes, uh, fine podcast, the Sports Grid 12 to 2 uh, on uh, Internet Radio, uh, does a fine job. Uh, is that satellite also, uh, Sports Grid? 
It's you know it, it's kind of like the the what what everyone is doing now, and and I think that we're all kind of going through the same thing where, uh, you know, no no offense to cable providers and and satellite providers, but you know I'm watching more television now these days on the app. Yep. On uh, you know I mean I have Amazon Fire Stick. I'm, I'm watching more TV that way than I am even watching regular TV. And so it's just a simple download on your phone. You get the app and it's free watching for 24 hours. So uh, it's a TV show in addition to a radio show uh, for two hours a day. And and there could be some things changing with my schedule on that. There's, uh, you know, Depot, you know, when they offer you more money to do something, you just say yes and worry about everything later. So that's kind of a situation. That's It's a very favorable position to be in. I always find that advantageous, uh, you know, getting offered a little bit of cash. They they give you a call. uh, Maybe an easier situation, yes. Yeah, somebody somebody gives you a call and says the money and says, hey, there's going to be more money, but here's what we need you to do. And, like, I don't even listen to anything. Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) That's it. I have something pending right now. I don't care if the guy asks me to wipe the floor. uh, I know. Buy him up. You you and I will be out at the the chicken place in the chicken outfit. Exactly. It's already been done. I've done that, yeah. Uh, Now, is the baseball players union, uh, they've always dictated the terms uh, to the owners, or so it seems. I I, I don't know. uh, if they've ever lost any of that uh, leverage and for some reason that they've had it, uh, you know, going all the way back to like Marvin Miller, uh, are, are they still as strong today? In other words, uh, are the owners going to have to eventually capitulate? Cause it looked to me like, like the owners won out on a couple of things that they were looking for uh, in terms of their financial wherewithal, uh, in terms of uh, length of service before you become a free agent and, and uh, various arbitration conditions. Yeah, no, I, I think that I, look, I don't know how significant those wins are for the owners. They, they could be very minor. And, and again, with this subject in particular, I just want to be clear. A, a, a lot of this is my opinion. And a lot yeah. of this is, yeah, yeah. is me, is me reading the same stuff that you guys are. That it's like, I, I, right. am, I am not, I am not actively covering this. Do I have conversations about it? Sure. But it, it is really delicate people. Like it, it is really. Uh, between players and owners, the conversations that I have are really surface value for the most part. Uh, but but look, in the end, I'm sorry to say that it's millionaires against billionaires. I know that, but that's what what it comes down to for me. And in the end, in the end, the billionaires do tend to win. And, and honestly, I don't even think that's a huge indictment on Tony Clark and the players' union. It's just uh, so much money is being made for these guys. They hire the best people. They have the best lawyers. They have the experience and labor agreements going on decades and decades of this. So, uh, you know, but but there's there's too much money on both sides to be made and to be lost. And so, I, and I do think, by the way, that the owners, like I, I know that there was something that came out the other day that said that games could be sacrificed. Uh, I do believe that the owners do want to play. Like I, I genuinely believe that. So, um, you know, in the end, some give and take, some more money will go to the players. Uh, but I can't speak to like the specifics of the things that you've been reading. I would just be speculating and guessing on, on which way those go. Buck Showalter uh, really doesn't overwhelmingly excite me. He becomes the Mets manager after a, a thorough search and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, in- internal, uh, you know, uh, uh, thinking that, uh, hey, what do we need? And they go out to get Max Scherzer, which, uh, I'm not sure, you know, how long that's going to work out for, but uh, on the surface, you know, at least for now, it seems like, you know, it's going to benefit them with the best one-two punch in baseball uh, this coming up, this season coming up. Uh, you don't know if Lindor can uh, make a comeback to his previous form, but uh, 
Where do they stand? And what did you think of that hire? Everybody seems to have like this exalted great respect for Buck Showalter. His overall record compromised, I guess, by you know, those schlepper years with the Baltimore Orioles that he stuck around. But uh, and nonetheless, I mean, uh, was that the guy that they needed, uh, you know, to get them going in the right direction and, and get the most out of them? You know, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm a big fan of Buck. I know him personally. Uh, I, I would say that when you hire Buck Showalter, it, it's kind of like, it almost feels like in a way, Diesel, like they tried literally everything else and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they hired a, yeah, that, they that's hired it. a general yeah. manager. It's like getting Dan Quinn now in football, <laughs> exactly. it seems like. Right, like okay, so it, well, it's like a, it's not that a, that Buck is a fallback, but it's more of like a a uh, a calming influence, someone that you, that you know is capable of doing the job. Yeah. And no indictment on Rojas, that guy that was the manager. But remember, Carlos Beltran was who they hired to be the manager. They hired a they hired an agent to be their general manager for a few years. Like they've just done, they've tried all these different things. They haven't worked. And, and you know that you're getting an in-game manager that's going to be better than just about anybody else in baseball when you get Buckshaw Walter. So at that point, they're figuring, I suppose, with the talent that they have on the field, they don't want to squander it within the game. I'm guessing that. Uh, but again, betting on the Mets at the beginning of the season is pretty much the worst proposition in baseball. Like fading the Mets is always the way to go because, you know, something is going to go wrong with them. Uh, but my guess is they win more games than they won last year. Does this make them a, a 90-win team? I, I don't think so. Does this make them more capable of winning games? Yes, I think that's definitely the case. But, um, you know, Phillies will be formidable. Uh, Mets will be formidable, without a doubt. And the Braves won the World Series. So this is, with, with Washington going in a rebuild, it looks like, it's still going to be, um, you know, extremely tough division. I know it didn't play out that way last year, but I'm sure it will be. Also, Robinson Cano probably coming back for the Mets, too. All right, what's on the line for the Marlins this year? Uh, we, we've been waiting for this development. Supposedly had all this good pitching. Obviously, you know, if you're talking about one-two punch, uh, Alcantara, Trevor Rogers, uh, not a bad combination. We don't know what's going on with Sixto. I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, where do they stand? They, they try to make some moves, and most people applauded the, the moves they made, although, uh, you know, it just seems like, uh, you know, it, it's I don't know that it's cosmetic so much, but just, uh, you know, not enough to get them over the top or be serious contenders. Once again, we'll be perplexed what to do about the over-under for the season total. Uh, what is your thought about where the Miami Marlins are at since uh, you're so close to that team? Sure. Yeah, I, I think that the, the positives are they made a lot of a lot of moves prior to this shutdown. And so you can only imagine what this would have been like if the shutdown got lifted. And let's think about this, Defo. Uh, the second it gets lifted, this is going to be a frenzy of signings. And the Marlins would have to be fight for that or would, would have to fight for all of these players financially and they would lose a lot of those battles. So I think that it was good that they got Garcia. Uh, so now they know that they don't, you know, at least they have one outfielder in tow there. It was good that they traded for this guy Stallings behind the plate because that was just a, a horrible uh, situation since JT Romuto left. They haven't had anybody that could help. Uh, and then they added Joey Wendell, who, I, you know, honestly, I think has a chance to play every single day when, when things all shake out. And we'll see in terms of trades and, and sort of where that's at. Uh, are they better right now than they were last year? I don't, I don't really, I don't know that I could say that, but I, I think basically what has to happen this season more than, regardless of what they do as soon as this, this lockout is lifted, is I would use these words. They have to make significant progress on where they are. Uh, now, th that can be interpreted in a number of different ways. Let, let's say their win total is plus 15 over where that was a year ago. 
that probably still doesn't get them in the postseason. But that's significant progress as to where they were a year ago. So let's say they miss out on the postseason, but they're plus 15 in the win-loss column. Okay, like you can sort of live with that. Uh, what they can't have happen is two things for me. Number one, they cannot start off the season three and seven. That cannot happen. People, I don't, I, we cannot hear again, well, it's only early on in the season. They absolutely have to capture the fan base at the beginning of 2022. It has to happen. They cannot get off to another bad start. How many bad starts has this team gotten off to and people have lost faith and they have to play catch-up all season? So that's number one. And number two, they cannot have uh, an unmitigated disaster of the season again. They cannot lose 95, 100 games. Um, If they can avoid those two things happening, I think that you could probably look upon this season as a a season of progress. Uh, Am I concerned that that, that those things that that I just mentioned could happen again? Of course. I think that you have to be concerned because we've seen no evidence to the contrary of that. But provided that the team makes progress and and plays competitive baseball and gets back into this thing and doesn't have to sell all the players at the trade deadline, I think that we could be looking at a competitive season. So that's what I'm hoping. And if it doesn't happen, before, I don't know. I think think you could see... uh, you know, I don't know about a nuclear bomb, but I, I could see, you know, significant changes happening at the end of the season. Craig Mish, always great. Mish, Major right? League Baseball Network, that's why they use him. Miami Herald, that's why they use him. Uh, this inside information is fantastic. Great opinion. Uh, Swings and Mish is on the podcast uh, and the Sports Grid radio and uh, simulcasting video. Now, uh, just sensational progress and big things on the horizon for Craig Mish. Uh, Craig, uh, thanks so much. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for joining us here on After Hours with Tifo and Luby. All right. Great catching up with you guys. Hope you have a great week. Be well, Mish, man. We'll talk to All you right, soon. All right. Thanks a lot. There you go. We can get back to football fever tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> now, very interesting. And uh, Craig, uh, been covering baseball a long time. Uh, really dedicated a lot of time tonight. Also, uh, big with fantasy football, I believe. Yes, he is big in fantasy with football. With his uh, various uh, podcasts and platforms uh, that he's on. And, uh, you know, like us, he, he started out uh, once I was a schlepper, now I'm Miss Mazeppa. Yes, sir. And I was doing a simple thing. A couple of people were tuned in. And the next thing you know, he's blossomed into all of this. And opportunities are flying his way. Because uh, if you're good at what you do in this game, we'll find you. I, I think you can make uh, immense progress. At least uh, so we hope. <laughs> all right, Louie, uh, a pleasure. After hours, uh, of course, you can catch us on Ion Channel. That's always a lot of fun. At 7 and 9 Eastern time. If you want to see it live, you can Google the Defo Show, D-E-F-O. And uh, catch our work there. Always a lot of interesting people uh, on the program. On Ion Channel, we do a two-hour show there, morning drive on the East Coast. And, uh, of course, uh, good to be with you here on the Believe Podcast Networks. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in, everybody, and downloading the show. Appreciate uh, all of the input that we're getting on the program. From Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest, leaving you with this thought uh, as uh, I head out to Las Vegas for a few days yes. of total degenerate debauchery. you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes, really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. 
Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, highly apart. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.